Hey Solomon, this is Jay Rosemary. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed and alone? I know when my children were younger, there was a lot of times I felt alone. That's why I started Solomon's Talk, this podcast. But you're not alone. You don't have to parent alone. And I, I keep repeating it because it's something that it seems we are convinced that we are alone. But reach out to me. I'm here for you. I can talk you through anything that's going through your mind. Because believe me, I've gone through some stuff. You can tell from listening to these podcasts that I empathize with you. And I understand and can connect with what's happening with you. So click the link below and book a one-on-one with me. We could just chat. Uh, No obligation, no... um, no commitment, just chat. And so don't parent alone. Click the link below and book a, book a chat with me. And no obligation, confidential and safe place to talk about you. You play the doctor, the nurse, the teacher, the counselor. Tired, weary, frustrated? What would you be doing if you weren't raising children alone? What's stopping you from living your best life now? On Solar Moms Talk, I discuss with solar mothers the challenges you face raising children alone. So if you're a working solar mom dealing with independent children, insensitive bosses, weight and health issues, or even debt collectors, join us as we discover your path to get and stay healthy Increase your income and live with joy and purpose. In this battle of life, it's hard to keep your head above the water. So win this fight. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash solomoms. That's audibletrial.com slash solomoms. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. My guest today is Brenda, a very busy solo mom to two sons. She has overcome addiction and is currently mentoring other solo moms who desire to do the same. Help me welcome Brenda. Welcome Brenda for agreeing to talk to me today. And the first thing I'm going to ask is how did you become a solo mom? Okay. All right. Go. So um, (laughs) what happened that put you on this single mom journey? Well, about, um, let's see, my oldest is 19 right now, and he's going to be turning 19 and probably around the age when he was four. Um, His father and my youngest son's father, uh, we had split up after being together for nine years. Um, So uh, there was infidelity, and that's what brought me to the path of being a single mom. Okay. 
So, so you'd be a lot of pain. I'm sorry. There was a lot of pain involved. Yes. Yes, I imagine. So, you were left alone to raise your two sons. Yes. And so, what was that experience like for you? What was it like to be? I mean, I feel like being a suddenly single mother is like being dropped into the middle of the ocean and you don't know how to swim. Does that describe how you might have felt at the time? Well, I I think I definitely felt um, a sense of loss, a sense of brokenness, a sense of um, resentment, and um, I had this, this anger inside of me probably because I didn't feel that I deserved uh, mm-hmm. to be a single mom and I didn't sign up to be a single mom. And this wasn't the idea of how I envisioned uh, rearing my children. And so um, I tried to um, create this, I guess, idea that having a man in the household and having a picture perfect, um, this is what a family is going to look like. And I wasn't going to be content until I had that void filled by a man filling that hole. And what it ended up doing for me is, you know, I would get in some long-term relationships and, um, you know, even raising other people's children. And in ultimately, because I didn't take care of the brokenness inside of me uh, properly, I uh, just created more wreckage in my family. And, um, you know, did that at the expense of, you know, my spiritual condition and and my children. Yes. So, so you found yourself looking for family each time because the family you envisioned wasn't complete until daddy was there. Is that, does that explain it right? I think that explains a lot of it. A lot of it, too, is a hole that I had inside of me, um, you know, not quite maybe being good enough, um, maybe dealing with some of the um, abandonment and dealing with, you know, um, not really having any identifying in identification on who I was as a woman because I was always, you know, a mom or a spouse and never really knew how to truly identify myself and being responsible for, you know, my, my own spiritual condition. And the fact, the reality is, is like nothing actually was being done to me. These were things that I was allowing and choosing in my life. Mm-hmm. So um, part of it was not my own self-awareness of self. And always, I think, um, holding somebody else hostage and accountable for that when, Ultimately, I was responsible for the way that I felt, and I was responsible for my spiritual condition. Nobody was actually doing these things to me, but in all of the relationships, I became the martyr because I was, you know, doing this right and doing this right and doing this right. So I was, you know, my narrative was a victim story, and um, I never really quite got it together. I mean, the outside looked really good. You know, the outside looked really good. Um, You know, the job, the house, the kids. Um, But, um, you know, ultimately, um, I felt like I was dying inside. And uh, I turned to alcohol. um, Not right away. um, Maybe about, I don't know, six years down the road. And um, 
after my separation, I think maybe about, you know, maybe a little bit longer than six years. And uh, I um, it was just to, to take the edge off, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of numb the way that you feel yeah. and to um, get by. And um, before, you know, I knew it, and it's not before I knew it, it's not like it happened overnight, you know, um, you know, one day I just couldn't stop and stay stopped. And um, I, you know, was that type of mom who was, you know, the art docent, the team mom, uh, the PTA, um, you name it. Like, I was that type of mother. I wanted to be there for my children. And the alcohol really ended up desensitizing me. And I didn't enjoy being a mom anymore, you know. My mm-hmm. truth was is that this... Uh, this alcoholism ended up taking me to a spiritual low and really desensitizing me. And I don't know how I got there, but I got there. Okay. So um, I don't think it made a difference if it would have been the alcohol, the man, the people pleasing, the codependency, whatever it was, is I had that hole inside of me and it was always being filled with something else. Right. You, you were always filling a gap that, um, needed satisfaction and none of the things you were using were satis was 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 making that possible so um so you you struggled with um numbing your pain um as you said how how was it with the children like how did you relate to the children during the time you were struggling with finding yourself well, you know, for a while, and I think a lot of women do this, you know, is uh, we make things look really good, you know. Um, and, you know, a lot of people enjoy a codependent. A lot of people enjoy a people because there's benefits for everybody else. But it's not really, you're not serving anybody else, including yourself, you know. Right. And, and there's all, there's all, there's all um, sicknesses behind that, like spiritual sicknesses behind that. And those things are easy for us to, like, kind of mask in society, right? And the world wants to judge us by our actions, right? And so we're looking right. really good, but our intentions inside are wrong. And, you know, I didn't realize how much I I operated like that, and I didn't really have any identification. And what I think my children saw is I just no longer enjoyed doing that anymore. I didn't enjoy doing the perfect meal. I didn't enjoy doing everything perfect anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, these were probably conditions that I placed on myself. Um, it gets really overwhelming, you know, uh, sometimes it's, uh, just financially, sometimes it could be physically, sometimes it could be just having a partner to bounce things off of or to say it's going to be okay. Uh, sometimes you have other things that your children struggle with that are, um, you know, life altering and we do the best that we can do. And I think sometimes we're harder on ourselves than, you know, we need to be. Yes. And I, I wish that, um, you know, by, by all means, um, you know, where, where this journey has taken me has been the best thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life because I don't think I would have ever had the opportunity to be my authentic self or taken the time to actually go on this journey of recovery. Um, so for, for that, I'm never grateful. For that, I'm never grateful. But I believe my children had a couple years where they, you know, they, they did, they did suffer. They did suffer because I wasn't 
I wasn't present. You weren't present. Yes. I, I was. I wasn't like mentally present. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, wow. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's a great, um, you know, help to someone who hear that they are not the only one going through a situation. Um, what was the turning point for for you? Because you're not at that place anymore. What was the turning point? What caused you to wake up one day and realize you weren't living your life? Well, I think I, I already knew that I was not living my best life, but, you know, we choose to notice what we notice, and um, sometimes we don't want to notice things because we're not ready to be in acceptance of things or we're not ready to change things. And um, by this time, my drinking was escalating, and I didn't have any of the consequences. You know, I didn't lose my children. I didn't lose my job. Um, you know, I didn't lose my residency. It, it, you know, it, it looked real good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would always have all these systems in place to prove that I didn't have a problem. And as long as I passed these systems, you know, I didn't really have a problem. But my reality was the inside of me had a problem, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I remember my oldest and he graduated last year from high school and he was about to go into eighth grade. And I had a a thought, you know, and I said, I got a pretty good kid, you know, and I'm going to lose him if uh, I don't do something. Because I just couldn't, even standing to sit on the couch in my house was like, just felt uncomfortable. Like I was that irritable, restless discontent. Mm. And it was only the boys and I in the house that I was running from. And I didn't know how to um, change the way that I felt inside by myself. And the other times that I had to try to uh, quit drinking, I would do these little systems. And as long as I passed these systems in place, then I didn't have a problem. And that's what I used to do to prove that I didn't have a problem. Mm -hmm. But I never changed the inside of me. And that was the difference is I I took that journey and I took that step to uh, get help. Um, And I went into the rooms of recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, for me, that was, um, you know, something that I wasn't in acceptance of because I was a little bit better than them. And, I, you know, wasn't homeless with a whiskey bag. I didn't lose my kids or my job. And I was just looking for all the reasons why I didn't belong there instead of looking for identification on what was relatable. And I remember just crying and not talking. I didn't want any friends there. I didn't want, but I would just cry because the pain was relatable. And um, something in me, there was somebody that reached out their hand to me um, to offer to help me and... um, I can't necessarily say that I was buying into the process or that I wanted what they had. All I know is that I didn't want what I had anymore. Mm. And um, that was enough to get me to do some work. And um, I have a, I've been sober for about five and a half years now. Clean and sober. And um, yes, thank you. And I'm, uh, involved in uh, the recovery community, and uh, you know, part of my thing that I do right now is um, I, I went on this spiritual journey um, with uh, completing, you know, um, the, not completing, but completing the steps to recovery, and I'm continuing to enlarge my spiritual life. And I uh, co-lead a um, twelve-step recovery program okay. in uh, Sacramento. Okay, and I work with women. I uh, work with women who are um, 
you know, going through um, some type of trauma narrative uh, or addiction, and um, I become a healer in their life, and uh, that's what's really um, helps me continue to enlarge my spiritual life is to uh, to be there to be of service to other people who are broken and who are needed, but for a different motive than I did before. You know, right. it's, yes. not to, it's not to people please. It's not to look good. It's a, it's a different kind of intention. Right. So you, you took your focus off you and started to contribute to others. And that actually helps with your growth. Um, yeah. T- yeah. Tell me about the work you do um, with these women. So just like what was, um, you know, done with me is um, when you go into the rooms of recovery, they there's some steps, 12 steps that are on the wall. They don't make any sense to you. People tell you to do the steps. There's no direction. And um, you don't really get it, you know, until um, I had somebody who was willing to take my hand and take me through these steps. And what those steps are, it's a spiritual ladder, a spiritual toolkit. And I'm not saying religion, spirituality. And all that mm-hmm. is is lining yourself up with what the truth is what self-truth is. And so I I always acted according to what I thought my truth was, you know, which was just my subjective truth. It wasn't the actual truth, right? And so based on that, you know, I I live my life and I do my life and I'm always in collision, right? And so the journey with the step work, it teaches you a lot about operating in the spirit world instead of uh, in yourself. Mm -hmm. And now the spiritual discernment is so easy for me to um, process things out and process people out and just have a a profound altercation to the way that I think and I react to life. And these changes wouldn't have been brought on, you know, by myself or my own understanding if I didn't, um, you know, complete the steps to recovery and continue to complete the steps to recovery. And it connected me um, to, you know, my God, which my God I believe in now is uh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think before I was able to even get to that point, to even have an understanding of that relationship or to help women, is that I had to see truth first. And I had to clear out all of the things that were blocking me from having that um, sunlight of the spirit flow and having that relationship with myself and having that relationship with God. And what it ended up doing for me is like I had no under I could have no understanding of anything larger than myself when I was so blocked by all my resentments and all of the things that right. you know got me to not be okay with the way that I felt inside in a right. sober state of mind. And so after we clean up ourselves um, through that process, it was like you unleash this power inside of you that was there all along that you didn't even know that manifested mm. and. Uh, it, it set the ball rolling for me because I know that other people are capable of it too. Yes, yes. Well, well, that's very commendable. I am, I am so grateful for you. To I can't say that I know what dealing with alcohol is, but I've dealt with other things, and it's always good to have someone who has some experience with what you're going through help you through that. So, you know, I'm I'm glad that you're doing that and helping others. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is um, you mentioned God and you mentioned Jesus Christ. How 
how has Christ, God, helped you through um, your life, whether through the rough times or through the good times? Just give give us a brief testimony, if you will. So, you know, before before this, you know, I, I grew up Christian. I grew up non-denominational. I, I can't say that I had a bad experience uh, growing up in religion. Mm-hmm. And I, I really felt, you know, my parents emulated what it was to have a relationship with God. And what I didn't understand is that I didn't understand the intimate relationship that I had and why I wasn't able to feel God mm-hmm. because of the resentment that you have through life and because of the things that should have been and that didn't happen. And, you know, the, the thing that I did and a lot of people do is that, you know, we have our little plans and we have our little designs and, you know, sometimes we're more gracious and sometimes we're more demanding, whatever works. Sometimes we're usually a very varied, a variety of traits, right? But as long as we get what we get and want what we want, and then we say, oh, we're going to give it to God, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in the reality, that's not how <laughs> God works, right. you know? And, um, and so, like, I, I would say, like, you know, I would feel like I couldn't feel God because it wasn't in my favor, right? Mm-hmm. And what, what I know today is that, you know, I have a God that lives inside of me, right? I'm not looking for Him. He's already inside of me. Yes. Now, if I'm doing all these things that are, and all these things that are separating me and removing me from God, He's already inside of me. I'm not going to feel Him, though. Right. So, when I try to share how my relationship is with God, and, and when I try to share this with the women that I work with, is... They don't have to believe what I believe. They don't even have to have their whole idea of God figured out. Mm-hmm. All I'm asking them to do is to be open to something bigger than them and to be open to the ideas and the attributes of what they want their God to feel like. And usually when they, by this time at the end of their journey or the middle of their journey, when they go through their steps in recovery and they clear out that wreckage inside of them, they will get a spiritual experience and then they'll get what God feels like. And that spiritual experience isn't something that you can explain just like I can explain what it feels like to be a mother. Unless mm-hmm. you're a mother, you know what it feels like to be a mother, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pain, the right. beautiful parts of it. Right. And just like I can't explain to somebody, this is what your spiritual experience is going to feel like. What right. it is is that you have to you know, be willing and then you have to be vigorously honest. And when you go through the journey of the, of the process and you get that spiritual experience and then you feel the presence of God and you feel what that feels like, mm. your God life expands. And it enlarges, and mm-hmm. you're all cleared out now, and you look for God, and you see God in everything, right, in nature, mm-hmm. in, in people, and in decisions, and, and you start to operate in the Spirit now. Yes. And then we have a new set of principles and rules that, that, um, that you live by, you know, and, and your fruits are godly. And then what happens is, you know, I needed to keep my spiritual life growing, and I always had my God as Jesus Christ, right? Yes. And that's just the way that I grew up, you know? And um, so for me, that was already the God that I had in place. But what it does now is it, it, it opens me up. It opens me up to so much more now. And, you know, I don't know everything there is to know about, you know, um, God or Jesus or, you know, the Bible for that matter. Um, but what I do know is I do know what it is to uh, love people with the heart of the Father. Mm-hmm. And um, I do know how uh, Jesus was about relationship, not religion. 
Yeah. And I do know he sat down with the same people that I work with and he <laughs> yes. accepted them and so can I. Yes, definitely. So, um, and, and I think a lot of people get a bad, you know, um, sometimes, a, you know, they're closed off to religion and they're closed off to the idea of God. And, and when I work with a bunch of different women, you know, they might have a different narrative and then their experience with the religion or with God or, uh, you know, not only atheist or agnostic, you know, but some of them might have been traumatized by religion or uh, mm-hmm. abused in the church. And so when I work with somebody, I don't make them believe what I believe. I don't say you have to believe in Jesus Christ or you have to believe in my God. Right. I just want them to be willing to believe and to believe that there's something out there bigger than them. Yes. And they will their, their conception of God will enlarge in as they heal. Mm-hmm. And if I can be that example of what it is to have the heart of God and to have the heart of Jesus, and you take that stigma away from, you know, the fear, shame, and condemnation in religion, and you love on them like God loves on his children, mm-hmm. then that makes the relationship with Jesus attractive. Yes, yes, definitely. Amen. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> how do you practice self-care how do you take care of Brenda uh, well it's never well and wonderful you know um, sometimes I can have balance and sometimes I'm not having um, any balance you know sleeping four hours a night and I don't know I, I, I do feel my best when I'm, I'm you know working out or I'm going to the gym or I'm going on walks I feel that it is something that we have to do is we have to treat our body. We have to treat our mind and we have to treat our spirit, you know? Yes. And, um, I treat, I treat my spirit with working with others and, um, working with women and being of service. You know, I treat my mind with, uh, living out these spiritual principles and teaching these steps and, um, being in the step work and, um, in the word and, yes. you know, your body, and your body is your body, and uh, you treat that with uh, taking care of it. And sometimes they're balanced, and sometimes it's not balanced. Um, but today, the, the benefit of it is that I know it's not, and I'm not, you know, lying about it, mm-hmm. and I know what I need to do. You know, I have a toolkit now, and so I don't know if it'll ever look how I want it to look. You know, of course, that's probably not the ideal, but... I definitely have a more of awareness and, and uh, responsibility with it, though, today. Okay. So you have an awareness of self-care. You've developed a toolkit, and none of us can perfectly care for, do anything, really. Um, but caring for ourselves is as a mother. So, it's, it's, you know, yes, uh, I'm. thank you for sharing that. Now, I want to know if you could give... What advice do you have for another solo mom? Just the floor is yours. So I guess if anybody um, heard anything that related to them, and I think most of us, when we start out being a single parent, we don't, you know, we don't have our children thinking that we're going to be at this place of brokenness to raise our children and to figure out everything, you know, on our own. And a lot of the feelings that I felt were attached to fear that I couldn't even acknowledge or identify with. And, you know, we, we fear when our 
instincts are threatened and when we can't control something. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that's like being a single mom, right? There's nothing really we can control. And a lot of times our instincts are going to be threatened, you know, because we can't control a lot of things in, in the outcome, you know. Right. And um, that really got me, that feeling there really got me pretty unhealthy. And I would, I would encourage you, you know, to, to always always see if you can seek out self-truth and, and to look for your mistakes and to look for your part and, and, and to look for ways and different ways that you're going to heal. So if one thing seems closed or just keep expanding, just keep expanding and be open to whatever it is that is going to get you to a new place of new growth. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times we do want to change cause we can't stand where we're at or we can't stand the way that we are. But then we're not really willing or choosing those choices to make that 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 new direction or that new step. And change, yeah. I wish I wish I could just do this. You know, I wish I did this before. You know, I'm sorry that I had to get so sick to get so better. But literally, it was the best thing that I ever did in my whole entire life because I feel like I know who I am finally. Right. Well, now you have a message and a story. That's helping a lot of people. Thank you. Yes. Um, Brenda, I appreciate you coming and talking to me and telling me some of your story. And um, I hope you'll come back again. I enjoy talking. Thank you for having me. Yes, very much so. Thank you. Yes. Anytime. Thank you, Jennifer. listening to another episode of solo moms talk please subscribe so you'll know when new episodes become available and if you think this podcast can help someone else please share it with them please also leave a review thank you if you are a solo mom tell your story on an upcoming episode of solo moms talk someone needs to hear your story you are one decision away from changing her life you can contact me at the email below in the show notes And maybe you know a solo mom with a story that she needs to share. Why not ask her if she could contact me? You are one decision away from changing her life.
Hello solar moms. As a solar mom of three adult sons, I understand the challenges you face on a daily basis. As a mentor, my mission is to help you shift your mindset and empower you to take control of your life. To see yourself as God sees you. I know that unresolved trauma can be a heavy burden to carry and parenting alone can be a lonely journey. But it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to know that you are not alone. You have the strength and resilience to overcome your challenges and create the life you desire. I want to help you to make the effort to tackle unresolved trauma and change your perspective so you can live the life you deserve. I offer complimentary consultation where we can discuss how to move forward create a plan to help you heal and empower you. You can schedule a consultation by emailing me at jen at jrosemarie.com or by calling plus one 917-994-1329 or schedule a consultation with the link below. I am here for you and I want to help you take the first step towards healing and empowerment. Don't let unresolved trauma hold you back any longer. Don't parent in silence. So take action today and let's work together to empower you to live the life you desire.